This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona. Mike is the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. For more information about MICA, call 602-956-5276 or visit www.mica-insurance.com. I am Dr. Karini Vinales, board member of the Maricopa County Medical Society and an associate program director for the Endocrinology Fellowship Program of the University of Arizona College of Medicine, Phoenix. Welcome to our Arizona Physician Podcast. Unfortunately, it is true. Physicians are an at-risk population for suicide with women physicians, particularly at risk. Hi, and welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. We're joined by two guests from the Arizona Healthcare Cost Containment System, commonly known as ACCESS, Kelly Williams and Sara Salek. Kelly is the suicide prevention specialist at Access, and Sara is the chief medical officer. Ladies, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we're really glad to have you on the uh, show. Thank you very much, John. We're very uh, pleased to be on your show, and um, happy to describe a little bit about uh, my role at Access. As you had mentioned, um, I serve as the chief medical officer for our state Medicaid agency, otherwise known as Access which stands for the Arizona Healthcare Cost Containment System. And we serve over 2 million Arizonans, which is about 27% of the population uh, for healthcare related services. Um, Our annual budget is just over $14 billion per year. And so we do have quite a significant impact in regards to the healthcare infrastructure in Arizona. And in my role, I oversee um, both the clinical initiatives at Access as well as the clinical functions uh, for both our managed care as well as our fee-for-service units. Dr. Salek, thank you very much. Kelly Williams, if you could tell us more about your role and sort of why it's important to Arizonans. Sure. My role officially is I am the state suicide prevention specialist. My position was created by the legislature in 2017, funded in 2018, which is when I began in this role. My position is important to Arizona because uh, my role and our team's role is to reduce the number of suicides of any individual in Arizona, whether that person lives in Arizona full time or is visiting our state. We work with a wide variety of community partners, including other state agencies, to create an annual plan to guide our activities. And we focus daily on making sure that individuals who have a behavioral health crisis know how to access care and also educating the community at large about suicide prevention and suicide statistics. Thank you both for what you're doing. And for listeners, we'd like to frame the big picture and then narrow it down to an audience of physicians. And this conversation builds on an article, Kelly, that you wrote in the fall 2020 issue of Arizona Physician Magazine, which was entitled How to Refer Patients Who Are Suicidal. Stepping back to the big picture, uh, let's break down the statistics of suicide in Arizona. Please share with the listeners which Arizonans are most at risk for suicide attempts. If you could try to separate the information, the data by demographics like age, sex, location, maybe socioeconomic status, and so on. I'd be happy to, John. Arizona replicates data that we see nationally when it comes to suicides. 
the number one group most at risk for suicide in Arizona are 65 and older white men, specifically white men who live alone or who are isolated in some way. Oftentimes those individuals are also veterans. We hear about veterans being at a heightened risk for suicide. That is definitely an issue in our community as well. Our second priority related to a specific population at risk for suicide are our American Indian communities. We have 22 official tribal communities in Arizona tribal governments. We also have a large urban Indian population. Suicide remains the second leading cause of death for our American Indian community members. And we are regularly partnering and working with their tribal health departments and tribal governments to create suicide prevention plans to try to identify resources available in their community, appropriate strategies to direct people into care, et cetera. In Arizona, suicide is the eighth leading cause of death. We have between 1,400 and 1,500 individuals who die by suicide annually on average. We are watching those numbers very carefully during the COVID pandemic. I can tell you that interestingly enough, nationally and in Arizona, we have actually seen a decrease in the number of suicides during the pandemic, but we are taking this time and this opportunity to really try to educate the community at large again, about those access points in our community. So when someone in your home is having a behavioral health crisis or is dealing with situational depression, or anxiety, et cetera, that you know who to call and how to direct that person into care. One of the data points that we have to keep in mind at, uh, when, when doing this work in suicide prevention is that suicide data takes quite a bit of time to be, uh, to be final. And so our death certificate data related to suicides is actually on a six to eight month lag. So what we are seeing right now in the pandemic is we are not reporting a, a, an incredible increase, which is fantastic news, but it will probably take until well into 2021 for us to have a good understanding of what happened related to suicides in 2020 during the pandemic. You mentioned a, a few numbers there, Kelly, and, and whether you or Dr. Sala could respond to this. Do those numbers statewide reflect what's happening in Maricopa County as well? Interestingly enough, in Arizona, uh, suicide is primarily an issue in rural counties. So we definitely have suicides that occur tragically in both Maricopa and Pima counties. And you would expect that the majority of those deaths happen in Maricopa and Pima County because that's somewhere up to 70% of the statewide population. Actually, the last year's, uh, last year's data that comes from the Arizona Department of Health Services showed that Gila County had the highest rate of suicide per capita. And so we, again, this is where our partnership with Be Connected is so critically important because they have navigators, especially set in rural communities to um, befriend veteran organizations, to walk alongside individuals who may need help accessing care. And we fully recognize that in some of our more rural communities, it is not always easy to be able to access those behavioral health services the way it might be in a more populous community. And so we are working with providers on being able to provide telehealth services, et cetera. Folks, you've been listening to an episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast, and when we come back, we'll speak with Kelly Williams and Sarah Salik about signs and symptoms, uh, physicians, that, what they can observe in their patients, and also some advice for the doctors listening. We'll be right back. This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona, the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. As a physician-led mutual, MICA has been Arizona's choice for medical professional liability insurance for nearly 45 years. We provide value to members with superior claims handling and exceptional risk management programs. Call us today for a quote or visit our website to learn more about MICA's premium coverage options 
and outstanding service. 602-956-5276 or www.mica-insurance.com. Bureau of Medical Economics has been servicing the account collection needs of the medical community since 1951, with nearly 70 years of experience in this industry and proven results. We proudly consider our clients, your practice, an invaluable business partner. There is no obligation and no upfront cost. Please give us a call at 602-252-3469 for more information. Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast. We want to ask our guests, Kelly Williams and Dr. Sarah Salek, about the signs and symptoms of suicide that physicians can observe in their patients or that any Arizonans can see in their friends or family. So um, Dr. Salek. Yeah, thank you so much, John, uh, for that question. So I think from a general kind of um, Arizona standpoint, um, you know, we know that this pandemic is particularly, um, you know, stressful for children and families. Um, and as well as our colleagues. And so uh, we want to be in support of, you know, um, understanding the signs and symptoms of depression, anxiety, um, as well as concerns for suicidal ideation or thoughts of suicide. And so the things to look for um, include direct uh, talking about um, suicide. So um, individuals, you know, saying that they no longer want to live anymore, or they're thinking about taking their life. So that that is the most outward or obvious signs and symptoms of, of suicide. And some individuals do. Uh, speak openly about that. And then for those that don't speak openly about how they're feeling in regards to uh, suicidal thoughts, um, that they um, they can have a a range of um, presenting signs uh, and symptoms, including feelings of hopelessness, feeling like things aren't going to get better, Um, a change in behavior, maybe typically you'd be hearing from your friend or colleague on a regular basis, but you haven't heard from them in a while. So this is now a a much more critical time to check in with your friends, colleagues, as well as loved ones, um, and virtually connect. Even though we're physically distancing to limit the spread of COVID-19, we can still connect virtually with our friends and family and loved ones. And so the most critical aspect of this pandemic is staying socially connected virtually. It builds on something that I've heard a lot more often recently, and that is instead of calling things social distance, physical distancing, so that you have that social connection, whether it's virtual or, you know, more than six feet apart, but you can see someone or in a car or on a phone or on FaceTime or whatever, there's still a way to connect. And one of those creative techniques that we're researching, which I've been trying to to get into place for years is partnering with the U.S. Postal Service, because we recognize, especially in our rural communities, that the postal worker may be the only individual regularly seeing a home and may be the first to recognize that there are, there's something has happened or that there are concerns in that home. And so how do we partner with these larger federal groups to provide appropriate training and to be able to give those folks the the knowledge that they may may already be looking for to help drive to drive um, vulnerable individuals into care. So that's why we were so excited when the Mitch Warnock Act passed in Arizona in um, 2019, I believe. It requires all school staff who work with children between 6th and 12th grades be trained in an evidence-based suicide prevention training to go back to that non-traditional role for suicide prevention 
we were really happy that that training was not specified only for teachers because bus drivers will also be required to take that training among a lot of other folks who work at schools. But bus drivers, like the Postal Service, may recognize that something's going on in the home that the teacher may not pick up in the classroom or the librarian may not notice. And so we're really happy to see the diversity of roles that will be trained through that new state law. So has the advent of social media and multiple ways to connect digitally made suicide prevention efforts easier or more difficult and how so? Both. I think for working with our youth, it has actually made it easier because we have organizations we partner with like Teen Lifeline who have figured out how to use social media brilliantly to have peer programs where kids are talking to other kids about a wide variety of social issues, including behavioral health concerns. And the average kid today is not super comfortable talking on the phone, but is more comfortable texting, communicating through other social media platforms. So we see that uh, our providers who are working with youth are figuring out how to use social media in great ways. For our older communities, our 65 and older communities, I do think that social media can be intimidating, not to be ageist, but I think there are, um, there are fewer individuals, the older they get, who are on things like Twitter or Facebook, for example, and so they may feel more isolated. That said, I think that social media can also build community. So if you have an individual who is interested, especially right now during the pandemic when they may not be able to gather in person, a specific hobby like stamp collecting, they could find that community on a platform like Facebook or another social media site where they could communicate with others about their passion. So we think about, and we try to speak about social media as another tool for people to be able to connect with like-minded folks. And it, you may be physically distanced, but you may be able to connect in a really meaningful way with someone who you see, who you have commonalities with. That's a great point, thank you. And our, our final question for you ladies, physicians sort of have this sense and talk about how they believe there's a higher rate of suicide among doctors than a, in the general population. So is that true? And what can physicians do to care for their colleagues? Yeah, this is such a critical um, question, John. And uh, unfortunately, it is true. Physicians are an at-risk population for suicide with women physicians, particularly at risk. There have been multiple meta-analysis conducted, published in multiple journals, including uh, perhaps the most quoted one was from uh, the American Journal of Psychiatry. Um, their research had indicated a suicide rate among male physicians 1.41 times higher than the general male population, um, whereas for female physicians, um, the relative risk um, is even more pronounced. Their study found that it was 2.27 times greater for female physicians than the general female population. And so I think this uh, really speaks to our need to continue to have these conversations, to speak about it openly, and to also normalize that emotional mental health is so critical uh, for all um, of us, you know, all Arizonans, but in particular, um, noting that physicians are based on the very nature of their profession, 
um, are under a great uh, degree of stress. And so what can we do to help support and listen to our physician colleagues, as well as, you know, uh, be supportive in any way that we can. In general, even before the pandemic, the practice of medicine is extremely stressful, but then you add on a pandemic on top of that. And so it's just as critical now, um, more than ever, that we tap into what physicians need and, and listen to what their needs are in regards to both from an administrative standpoint, as well as a larger society standpoint. Standpoint. And so there, there are a lot of great resources. I think um, one of the surveys conducted by the Physicians Foundation, um, which is a national organization, uh, found that 13% of physicians sought out medical attention for mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic. That is in contrast to 18% who have increased their use of medications, alcohol, and drugs. And so we know that, you know, suicide is a reality amongst our physician colleagues. We also know that substance use is as well. And um, through substance use, that actually increases the risk uh, for suicide. And so it's addressing the um, elephant in the room, so to speak, in regard to understanding that, again, phys our physician colleagues are under a great uh, deal of stress. Um, associated with the practice of medicine, as well as now with the COVID pandemic. And so there are active steps that we can do as a society, as well as resources that are available. And so from the society standpoint, we continue to hear from our physician colleagues um, that whatever we can do to, to slow the spread, please do, and that includes wearing masks. So being a responsible member of society and reducing the risk by mask wearing. Uh, additionally, um, we have uh, free and anonymous counseling available to all Arizonans, including physicians, um, and that's through resilientarizona.org. And then the other thing I, I can't stress enough is our own primary care practitioner. And so that is a front line in regards to speaking with our, our primary care practitioner in regards to the stress, even though we are you know, physicians ourselves, we still need that you know, self-care component in regards to making sure we're, we're taking care of ourselves, um, especially during this pandemic. Those are excellent resources and I'm so glad that you ladies were with us today to talk about suicide within Arizona and some tips and resources for physicians listening um, or any other Arizona who's happening to listen to this episode about where they can turn for support. Dr. Sarosalik, Kelly Williams from Access, thank you both very much for being on the uh, Arizona Physician Podcast. Thank you. Founded in 1892, Maricopa County Medical Society is a strong collective physician voice. Thank you for listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast.